Tension! Hello again and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris and we are just hearing the sounds of Ringo Starr and the lyric you heard was Elizabeth reigns over me and in a sense that's very true. She does reign over him. Ringo is the subject of our podcast today and it's a kind of a stepping back looking at in this celebration of Ringo's life and being knighted. Uh, looking back at his whole career, uh, kind of giving you the highlights and maybe a few lowlights, as well as... Uh, <laughs> well, what? What? I, what? I didn't notice any lowlights. No. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of giving you a scan through his whole career. I mean, Ringo is going to turn 78 in July, wow. if you can believe it. He's been been in the consciousness, public consci- consciousness, since... Uh, around 1962 or so, uh, at least when he joined the Beatles. So that's a long time. Richard Starkey, obviously, uh, you know, reading the book all these years, the the number one thing that stuck out to me that really that I hadn't heard that much or hadn't read that much about was how sick uh, yeah. uh, he was as a youth. I don't know if you know this, Dave, but I was like pretty sick a couple times in my youth uh, once in sixth grade i missed about half the year uh from a terrible bout of pneumonia oh wow so uh <laughs> i remember reading that book and just being kind of struck by that you know like hmm. uh, uh oh oh ringo was really kind of uh you know this poor sickly uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> a kid any and throughout his career he's sort of you know been been uh, uh linked with these three like geniuses basically yeah, giants and he's he's sort of the 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 always joked about and considered mm-hmm. like the fourth the poorest of the Beatles and the the, the you know the sad sack of the uh, yeah. group in the movies he's cast uh, particularly in Hard Day's Night of his mopey mm-hmm. walking around the and everyone's <laughs> picking on him all the time and <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know if uh, in reality, like from uh, thinking about his early career, they, like the Eddie Clayton Skiffle group <laughs> and Rory Storb and the Hurricanes uh, is apparently like hot, hot stuff. Yeah. Like, people thought regarded him as like, oh, yeah, you're the be- one of the best in, in England. Definitely. Something that strikes me a lot about Ringo's music and just his, looking at his whole career is in a sense, I don't think we'll need to have an autobiography uh, because a lot of his songs, I think especially recently, and we're going to get to this when we talk about his more recent albums, a lot of the songs have been very autobiographical and we've been getting details of those early years uh, with Rory Storm and uh, even earlier than we ever knew before, or at least in the detail with names and what it was like to grow up in Dingle and Liverpool. And uh, so I think in a way he's, be it the fact that he's lived so long and has been able to keep recording, uh, he's given us a bigger picture of how he became Ringo Starr and how he became that drummer in Liverpool. Yeah. We're not going to play any Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. Why, no. Dave? Because uh, there is none that no. has Ringo on there that's been released. A few years ago, they thought that they'd found a concert. Mm-hmm. And and they did this release of Rory Storm, and then Ringo was like, "Uh, I was sick that week. I wasn't the drummer. That, <laughs> that <week>. wasn't me. <laughs> Not me. No. So, yeah, it's funny too, because on you know how in this era of misinformation, 
So on YouTube, it'll be like with Ringo, and then there'll be all these. This Ringo sounds terrible here. He was. This is proof he was a terrible drummer. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I know, I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that that. I think before we even get into talking about his music or anything, there are certain truths that we have to just get out there right away. That Ringo was not the sad sack, unimportant <laughs> member of the Beatles by any means. Yeah. He's yeah. a very good drummer. We've t- we did a whole episode about that. Uh, that's it's episode just, fifty-three. The episode best 53. Ringo drumming. Ah, very good. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you know, let's let's just get rid of the you know the 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 jokes. I guess the the the, the Ringo was not the best drummer in the Beatles. That was made up by a comedian. That's not even a Lennon quote. So a lot of a lot of stuff has just been circulating around Ringo, but. I, I think as we get into the music a little bit, I think in some ways he's helped cultivate that look about himself or he, he's that, you know, it's, it's not totally unheeded that kind of distinction, but uh, I think it's very interesting that uh, as you look through the, at least Ringo and the Beatles uh, that he, he did play, seem to play a very minor role in the songwriting aspect, but he certainly had, it was a major part of the sound and uh, that would not have been the same with a different drummer. Yeah. Exhibit a from that episode 53 was uh, when we talked about in my life and the complicated uh, drumming of that. And uh, obviously come together. I think we also brought up Mm -hmm. as being a great example of his, uh, drumming. We also had an, another episode called "Defending Ringo." Remember that one? Yes, that was a way long back time ago. in episode seven. <laughs> wow, way back. <laughs> yeah, so we haven't done an episode like this where we looked at uh, somebody's whole career uh, uh, all the way back on episode I think four. Oh yeah, with George, right? <laughs> <laughs> with George. So yeah. Uh, uh, a question though uh, about Ringo and the Beatles. So. As the Beatles developed, they all sort of developed as songwriters, too. And George obviously lagged a little behind uh, Paul and John. And then Ringo lagged way behind. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the only... Like, uh, what songs do... I mean, he contributes to some of those jams, like Flying. And what goes Uh, on, he's given a credit for yeah uh part of that if you think about it he doesn't really to write songs you need to play guitar or piano usually and he doesn't do either of those very well and so it's hard to write songs that way Mm -hmm. whereas the other three were obviously guitarists and paul and john play piano pretty well and uh it's a different different kind of thing so it's it's obvious that he would be a little bit behind or quite a lot behind. I mean, think, can you think of other great drummers who are also really good songwriters? Uh, it's, I guess Phil Collins. Off the top of my head. Yeah. Phil Quill. Yeah. Or Don (laughs) Henley. Don Henley, I guess maybe. Don Henley. Yeah. Phil Collins. Yeah. I know. The list isn't deep. Yeah. It's not, not a deep bench. So, uh, yeah. So it took him a while to get going. And so that's why I think, you know, he joked about don't pass me by being uh, taking three years to write or somewhere (laughs) (laughs) along those lines. And so that would be a good place to start in a way, since that's his first solo credit on a Beatles album on the white album. 50 years ago this year. So let's, let's, yeah. Well, don't pass me by. Listen for your footsteps coming up the drive. Listen for your footsteps, but they don't arrive. Waiting for your knock, dear, on my old front door. I don't hear it. Does it mean you don't love me anymore? I hear the clock are ticking. On the mantel shelf See the hands are moving But I'm by myself I wonder where you are tonight Or why I'm by myself I don't see you Does it mean you don't love me anymore? 
So Ringo's Don't Pass Me By, first original composition on the White Album. And it it's famous for, I mean, uh, uh, everybody who's a big Beatle fan knows this, but Ringo had a, has a thing for country music. And that's a, a theme that we're going to hear a lot throughout his career. Uh, but that is very countrified Beatles going all the way back to his uh, singing of Act Naturally and uh, dabbling here and there. So uh, got some good fiddle on that one. Yeah. yeah, I've always wondered too if maybe it, like there's there's not like you would think that maybe George and Ringo would have teamed up on on something, or uh, because when when they go into their solo career and they do team team up on a few things, it's got great yeah, results. It does. Yeah, and there's a little a little tease in uh, movie Let It Be when George is helping Ringo with Octopus's Garden. And kind of showing them the chords, and you can just see how easily they work together. So, yeah, I wish they had maybe co-written a couple tunes during the Beatle years, but I don't know if they would have gotten any play with John and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like, nice try, yeah. guys, but no, that's okay. We'll do ours. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, we talk a lot about Ringo and the Beatles throughout this uh, uh, show, so we're not going to linger too much on the Beatle no. years here. Because uh, what's, uh, what's interesting... <laughs> that i did this week yes <laughs> is listen to 100 percent of the ringo star solo albums the all-star band. you just can't make it through all the all-star band albums it's yes, impossible because you told me before the show uh how many all-star live albums are there not all of them will say that it's technically the all-star band, but all of them are. Mm-hmm. Twelve. Twelve. Wow. <laughs> so why there have been in all released since 1990. That was the first release. Yeah. So wow. between 1990 and, and the last one was released in two, 2010. So in 21 years, <laughs> 12 live albums. I wow. don't understand why. And some of them, if you look... <laughs> It, look at the album covers of some of them, and you're like, "Who put this album cover together? It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen." Oh no! <laughs> so, but anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. So, first, we're gonna we're gonna separate this into sort of chunks of his career here. Um, oh, oh, actually, the, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, which is obviously during the Beatle years, he did get married. It was married to Maureen, uh, and they were married from 1965 to 1975. They were married throughout these solo, these early Apple solo years. Um, so uh, that's just one thing I want to mention, just because I, I kind of uh, uh, it'll it'll be important <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah, when he means somebody else. How did his solo career start, Dave? Very strangely, actually. Uh... <laughs> His first, and we're talking about not not guest appearances on albums, things because he did perform a lot on many many different albums through the years. But his first solo album uh, was written. I, I think he basically described it as kind of a goof for his mother, and uh, it's a Sentimental Journey, which was released in March and April of 1970. So right at the time of the Beatles' breakup, official breakup, and Let It Be, uh, and it's an album of all show tunes and standards and they're it's it's very odd because it's arranged each song is arranged by someone else so you have different people like george martin and paul mccartney does bye bye blackbird i think and uh, elmer bernstein who wrote a lot of uh, film scores and just kind of a hodgepodge of people but oliver nelson yeah oliver nelson yeah the jazz yeah jazz guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's a strange album because it's Ringo crooning 
uh, all these kind of show tunes and uh, I, don't, I don't know if he meant it to be taken seriously. It did sell over 500,000 copies and become gold, but uh, yeah. Star, uh, uh, here it says Paul McCartney did Stardust. Oh, Bye Stardust. Bye Blackbird was Maurice Gibb. Oh, <laughs> Maurice Gibb. Isn't that, wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is. So I've never seen an album with arra- separate arranger credits for each song. No. No. Uh, before this was uh, from uh, the Beatles and Illustrated record, uh, Roy Carr and Tony Tyler. They called the album a gawky, badly sung, overly sentimental selection of moribund mambos. <laughs> all, all are dispensable. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty harsh. So, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it that bad. No, but I definitely don't spin it too often. It's like, who was this album for? I, well, his mother. Yeah, so I yeah. guess, yeah. Something to please me mom. Yes, please me mom, <laughs> yes. So that's why the next, when the next album came out, uh, in the same year, a little bit later in September, uh, it was a bit more to Ringo's forte, uh, at least his interest in country music. And it's, uh, if you speak French, it's it's beaucoup, but he has the song Beaucoup's of Blues, and that's the mm. name of the album as well. So, what are you, your thoughts on uh, on that album, Bukus of Blues? Well, I, you know, he sings these songs better than like his his voice sounds pretty good on these country songs, and he sings them with range, and the band is good. Uh, but to me, it's got this weird old '70s country feel to it, <laughs> uh-huh. which which at the time must have been great. Uh, <laughs> you know, a little uh, some of that jangly kind of country, uh, particularly the song Fifteen Dollar Draw, which has a hilarious moment at the end of it, <laughs> yeah. where he, he has all these confused sort of muttering. He's <laughs> like, "When you're hot, you're hot. Uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, when you're hot, you're hot. Yeah, okay. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> all right. Woo! I got that dog, and he's real big." <laughs> I was like, well, what is he talking about? <laughs> Craziness. Yes. Craziness. Uh, but overall, the album like is is re- rel- relatively well-liked. Um, Bob w- Wolfenden, from his 1980 book, 1981 book, The Beatles Apart, Ringo took his chance well, and his homely, lugubrious voice <laughs> suited those typically maudlin country songs like wow. a charm. It's one of the best Beatles solo albums. So he, he oh. you know, wow. he likes it a lot. I don't, once again, I don't, I'm not like too into it. How, how do you feel about it, Dave? I, I'm not a big country music fan, so I'm not a big fan of the album. Uh, it, more interestingly, there are singles around that album that were more of interest, uh, including his first big solo hit was which which was it don't come easy which was written right about that same or released around the same time a little bit after uh buku's of blues and uh, so maybe we should uh, talk about an actual big hit here to kind of get us into the what what you described as real songs uh segment (laughs) here (laughs) yeah after two cover out it's weird to start your career with two cover outs yeah yeah but but uh, he did it, and then and then yeah, here comes the real song. So here's uh, it. Don't come easy.
Oh, great song. Uh, with, and this is where you mentioned earlier the about getting together with George. Now this is where the influence of George really takes takes hold since he produced it. He plays all over it. You can hear slide guitar all over that tune. Uh, his arranging style is there with the horns and the the choir and singers and uh, yeah, it's kind of a wall of sound production almost. Yeah, and then, and it really, I mean. From this came out in seventy one. Mm-hmm. Don't come easy. Back off, blue glue came out in seventy two, and then seventy three and seventy four. Uh, the albums Ringo and Goodnight Vienna, both newly re released on vinyl. So if you like uh, uh, vinyl, like some of us do, and and want to hear good reproduction, re re released, remastered productions of it. I'd I'd say uh, both both of these albums are solid. We talked about Ringo a lot on episode twenty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously a huge step up that album yeah. for him. I'm the greatest one. A fantastic song uh, from from John. Photograph. Yeah, another great example of him and George working together. Probably his my my, my one of my favorite solo Beatles songs. Definitely. Really. I mean, it's just fantastic song. Uh, of course, oh my my, with him, him and uh, uh, Vinnie Podsia. <laughs> so some good, gr- great stuff on there. And, and then that's, uh, that's well, that begins the the oh, this formula that I was going to mention. I think throughout Ringo's whole career, he really depends on other people to write the material. Since as we've said, he's not not primarily a songwriter. So this that album Ringo, which we talked about, that's the first one that really has a lot of outside people contributing tunes and working with him. And it's, it was a formula for success for a long time. In fact, a lot of people thought Ringo was going to be the most popular Beatles since he had some number one hits and uh, did really well with that album. So he, on that album, and then you know, you're going to mention Goodnight Vienna, he tried the same formula, and then on the next one, too, he did. So Yeah, uh, uh, Goodnight Vienna... Not a bad album, lots of energy. A lot of songs I would categorize as decent. Yes, yes. Sn- uh, Snookaroo, the Elton John thing, mm-hmm. Only You, the No-No song, and here's one uh, that John contributed on Goodnight Vienna. One and two and a one, two, three, four... So, Good Night Vienna, the title track from Ringo's 1974 album. And, uh, as I say, the formula was uh, seemed to be working pretty well. Uh, and then 1975, that was the last release of 74. In 75, we have a greatest hits already. And yeah. Yeah. And that was the... And a good one. A good one. Very good. And actually has the notoriety for being the final Beatles album released on Apple Records. Uh, yeah. That's... Blast from your past. It, the cover of that one always was hard to look at. Uh, it's really, <laughs> <laughs> really out of focus, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. especially if you smoke weed before you look at it, you'd uh, be like, "Whoa, dude!" Yeah, very trippy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, really the the shift from Apple to other labels. I think really, really, really hurt Ringo more than any other artist mm-hmm. because uh, all of these were relatively successful. The uh, uh, sales on Ringo, Goodnight Vienna, and yeah. all those. We go into a period of time where slowly but surely 
over the next five albums. He's going to lose labels. <laughs> In fact, the last the last of these five uh, doesn't even get a proper release on 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 like it gets a Canadian label release in Germany. <laughs> Germany. So so uh, uh, this is sort of the the slipping of Ringo's career and sort of almost like lost years. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It starts with Ringo's Roto Groover, which we <laughs> talked about. One of my favorite episodes, yes. episode 78. We had a lot of fun talking about that one. That was a lot of fun. I remember that was, it, he, he took the let's get helpers and collaborators on every song to an extreme. Because I remember you pointed out that there were like, you counted, I don't know, 60 different musicians on the album or something just from the credits. It was like every song was different. <laughs> no one was the same. Uh, yeah, it must have been yeah. like a party. Uh, update. I still love pure gold. I listen to it yes. every once in a while. I'm like, oh, how about how about some pure gold? Love that song. McCartney. That's the, the one that McCartney wrote. Um, and then of course, cooking in the kitchen of love. <laughs> it's hard not to sing when you're cooking. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> occasionally you're like when you're in a good mood and you're cooking in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you of course, Dave's all, uh, still rocking to this. Be called a song. <laughs> With EC. <laughs> The next album, 1977, we're going to listen to a little of this first song. I, I actually like this first song a lot, and the video's cool. It's a semi-dark, it's a dark turn, though, for Ringo. And it sort of like going into what I thought would be a kind of a Ringo drugged out, depressed party album. Mm-hmm. Uh, this gives you the feel of what that would be like. It's Drowning in the Sea of Love. love yeah if i I, if anything tells you the precipitous fall of ringo in the charts uh ringo's rotogravure was hit number 28 in the u.s and then ringo the fourth uh which had the song that we just heard uh was charted at 162 yeah whoa yeah so that's a huge drop and he went to polydor uh in atlantic Uh, but just did not work for Ringo. And I, it was that, do you think it was that late seventies problem of classic rock musicians would just really seem out of step and out of touch? Well, yeah. I mean, throughout these four, I mean, that's sort of the theme of these next four albums is like ring of the fourth is like a trying to be a disco album. Yeah. And there's definitely some disco you heard in there, but uh, what a disappointment now. And he's like, okay, now I'm going to stop getting help from Paul George and Don. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to tie myself to Vinny Poncia. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, uh, the, just the songs are not good on this. No. Wings was a single, mm-hmm. but some really bad songs, uh, uh, particularly she can, can she do it like she dances, <laughs> which I think is a song that's both off key and off color. If you listen to it. <laughs> Uh, and then just really ragged uh, uh, singing, <laughs> ragged vocals, overproduced, a huge flop. Yeah, yeah. Too. And and I think I think perhaps 
this is an indication of Ringo's drug and alcohol problem yeah. starting up. Yeah. We know that he was partying a lot in the 70s with John and Harry Nielsen and Keith Moon and all those guys, and eventually yeah. it's going to take its toll on you. Yeah. Uh, Bad Boys next, 1978 Bad Boy. You can <laughs> get this in a vital uh, audiophile champagne gold Woo. poster vinyl uh, for 20, a mere $27 on Amazon. <laughs> uh, uh, but the warning is you're not going to spin it very much. <laughs> yes, so it'll be pristine condition. <laughs> you know, in episode 97, we talked about that Ringo TV special, and he played a few songs from this album. And then I listened to the album, and I'm like, what lifeless versions of the... <laughs> like, like the Ringo TV special, even the grainy Ringo TV special versions mm-hmm. are way better than the, the ones on the album. They're just like, uh, you know, those fake live versions are better. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the real versions. Uh, and then uh, a song called Monkey See, Monkey Do is on this day. <laughs> That's a terrible title. <laughs> Oh, also a cover of "Where Did Your Where Did Your Love Go?" Oh, do you think uh, the, which do you prefer, the Supremes or Ringo's version? <laughs> by Ringo, by far. Okay. <laughs> so, bad yeah. boy. So very. Might, yeah. we, you know, some of these two, we'll, we'll eventually have to do a episode on bad boy. It's well, so it's yeah because it's it's its fortieth anniversary this year, so. Uh, I think I think it may be uh, in the pipeline here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to spoil all of our thoughts on no. that. No. So he tried then, the next album, to try to go back to the, the recapture the same formula of yeah. having John, Paul, and George. Actually, well, John isn't involved because he was semi-retired. Uh, and then uh, Paul and George were involved on this, which has a really great name. I know it's one of your favorite album titles. Stop and smell the roses. Uh, the reason I like that so much is because they. Uh, uh, <laughs> I saw an interview with him around the time of the release of this album, and he he just seems like really out of it. <laughs> and they ask him what the what the what the title what's the what's this album about? He's like, well, you know, you just need to you know stop and sometimes and smell the roses. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? That's your explanation? Like. Very um, profound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had heard that uh, John Lennon was talking about producing this album. Mm. Obviously, something intervened. Yeah. And that uh, perhaps nobody told me would have been given to yeah, I'd heard that. Ringo mm-hmm. and would have been on this album. Uh, he really could have used it. <laughs> yes, definitely. And because this is, yeah, this was recorded right after, you know, kind of put together right after John's death and. Uh, it's another yeah. one of these albums. I counted just on the website that I'm looking at here. Uh, there's 34 musicians on it. Uh, yeah, and they're including Keith Richards on background vocals, uh, <laughs> uh, Linda, Paul, Harry Nielsen. Paul produced three of them. Yeah. George produced two of them. Stephen Stills. Harry Nielsen. Yeah. Ron, Ron Wood. Ron Wood is on here. Yeah. Oh, so. even a Lawrence Juber side. Yeah, Lawrence. Dave. <laughs> Lawrence Juber's on here. Yeah, this is one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the overcompensation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bad Boy doesn't use anybody. It's a big flop. So he's like, oh, what? What? I I should get everybody to be mm. on this. <laughs> so yeah. and so you have some weird tracks on here. You've got a re-recording of "Sure to Fall," which the beat that's a Carl Perkins tune the Beatles used to do, uh, and then yeah. a Stephen Stills tune and "Back Off Boogaloo" and just weird yeah, stuff. Why, why, why re-record Back Off Boogaloo? Let's shove it on here. It was a know, hit, just, yeah. So, so, But we will listen to one song uh, that was the uh, quote-unquote hit single. Uh, and that was George's contribution, and it's called Rack My Brain.
Oh, boy. Rack my brain. Yes. Charting number 38. Yeah. 81 would have been a perfect time for him, too, because there was such a revival of country. Oh, there was. Uh, a, a crossover country hits, like hmm. Juice Newton and... and Ronnie and, Millsap. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that would have been a perfect time for Ringo to go country and, and put out a country album. Instead, he does this like very poorly synthesized <laughs> kind of... Uh, what is with all of the saxophone in this <laughs> just like tons of saxophone and then it's super upbeat keyboards <laughs> really really strange album yeah. but, but, uh, but we'll we'll save the rest of our commentary for our stop and smell the roses review here <laughs> because the, the next album is so we uh, hopefully that's 2021 that we I do hope, that i hope so uh, the next album is so obscure, as you mentioned before, it wasn't even oh, released yeah. in the U.S. or uh, England, and it's called Old Wave from 1983, released in Germany and Canada. Yeah, hard to find. Yes, I, I, I mean, in fact, if you, you know, almost every album you get on YouTube and right. get all the songs of it. This one. You can't get some of the songs. No, no. <laughs> so obscure. Uh, uh, well, once again, he he, sw- he swept back the other way. He was like, I used so many people on Stop and Smell the Roses. What a mess. I'll just use one guy, and that guy, Joe Walsh. Mm-hmm. Helps a ton. He's the only producer. Makes for a more cohesive album. But once again, it shows that most of Ringo's solo career has been reacting. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, it's sort of out of place here, but uh, he was in that movie Caveman, terrible oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, terrible. <laughs> Just a terrible movie, but that came out in the 80s here, too. Yeah. Uh, but he ma- met Barbara Bach there, mm-hmm. his uh, still still wife. Yep, yep. So, so uh, uh, good. So, and, and that becomes important here uh, shortly. But uh, anyway, back to Old Wave. few little gems in it, actually. Picture Show Life, I think, is pretty good. It's it's actually uh, I think I like it the best of the f- previous three albums, but some of the production is wonky. And uh, guess what shows up, Dave? That uh, Lou Reed bass we talked oh about no. <laughs> in George's extra texture pops up all over this one. <laughs> the eighties Lou Reed bass is on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you demonstrate? Mixed in with mixed in with. Uh, it's like, <laughs> but that's mixed in with some killer Joe Walsh guitars. So. Ooh, awesome! I gotta yeah. check that out. <laughs> Old Wave's actually not too bad. Not too bad. Huh? Definitely the of these sort of lost years. But yeah. once again, uh, Bad Boy flop, Stop Smelling Rose flop, Old Wave flop, labels dropping him, labels yeah. dropping him. Yeah. And he's just done. Yeah. It feels like an '83. An '83. Think about what's coming out in 83, New Wave and, and stuff like that. So he's yeah. like, haha, I'll be Old Wave. <laughs> and people are just like, no, we don't want this. No, no. And <laughs> it was also, I think, as you said, uh, kind of a bad time for him. And so maybe it was uh, with all drinking and, and, and Barbara certainly helped. Barbara Box certainly helped uh, turn him around. He, he decided to focus on other things. And in fact, he stopped recording, really, in his next... I mean, we'll we'll talk about what he did here, uh, but he didn't record another solo album for another nine years. So, uh, but yeah. he did do some things that made him pretty famous in between. Yeah, one of the best things if you if you love Ringo is he he's really good with like voiceover work and and uh, particularly. Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, I remember one that. of his big things. Mm-hmm. So let's hear a little clip from Thomas the Tank Engine uh, from 1984. Thomas thinks no engine works as hard as he does. He loves playing tricks on them, including Gordon, the biggest and proudest engine of all. Thomas likes whistling rudely at him. Wake up, lazy bones. Why don't you work hard like me? One day after pulling the big express, Gordon had arrived back at the sidings very tired. He was just going to sleep when Thomas came up in his cheeky way. Wake up, lazy bones, do some hard work for a change. You can't catch me. And off he ran laughing. 
instead of going to sleep again. A little taste of Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> of yeah. course, he also did Shining Time Station, as, where he's Mr. Conductor mm-hmm. uh, from 1989 to 1990. So, uh, uh, pretty good start starting other things in his career. Yeah. Uh, but I think during this lost sort of lost period between uh, 83 and his next recording, which is 90. Two, the most significant thing, I think, is 1988. He and Barbara both go to rehab. Mm. They get clean, and then almost immediately afterwards, he starts the All-Star Band. 1989, starts the All-Star Band. In 1990, we get an All-Star Band release, the first of the 12th. <laughs> All-Star Band release. A little bit of a hit. like mm-hmm. not, not too bad. The, the concerts like people like. And the the concept behind the concerts, we've talked about this before during the Defending Ringo, uh, uh, just the concept of, like, getting other people that are kind of struggling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Some lost puppies. <laughs> maybe they've lost their band. Maybe they've their band broke up and, you know. Or they or can't maybe, get uh, anymore. Or, yeah. Yeah. Kind of washed up. Maybe, you know, yeah, like, uh, oh, I don't like the other guys in Toto, so I'm going to be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and over the years, the All-Star Band has had so many different people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but uh, and, and this is probably a good time to mention, he's about to go back on tour with the All-Star Band. Yes. This time with Colin Hay from, uh, from Men, at, Men at Work. Men at Work, one of my favorite groups, and um, uh, the guy from Toto again, and <laughs> you know a couple others. Tickets on sale now. Coming to a city and, near you. Yeah, yeah. including uh, one in Kettering, which my <laughs> my uh, girlfriend's uh, mom lives in, and one in uh, here in Chicago. Yeah. And he's actually Not, coming to Prague too, as well. So I could, I could oh. go see him. I don't want to pay a hundred and sixty-two dollars for the cheapest seat, though. Oh boy! Unfortunately, wow. I won't be seeing him in Prague. Although that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, after uh, after many many years off, uh, he has a comeback album, 19, 1992. Yeah, and that's time takes time, and I think it's a good way to view the next. This is our next phase here, uh, yeah. next five albums or so. Uh, it, it's kind of like, okay, Ringo knows who he is. He's gone through hell with rehab and drinking and all the people dying and all this stuff. Uh, I, and he's, he's Beatle Ringo. He likes to play drums with people. He likes to be in a band. And he likes to t- you know, he's very positive about his experience being a Beatle. And so this, this first album, Time Takes Time, uh, produced by a few people, including Don Was and Jeff Lynn, friend of super friend of the show, Jeff Lynn. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, is is a, <laughs> actually a very good album. I I like this one a lot, and uh, it's uh, very Beatley in many many ways, in the sound, and the lyrics, and the inspiration. So we'll hear the important track from it called "Weight of the World." Yeah, pretty pretty good song there, Dave. I, I my reaction to this album, which I really hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. the research is pretty good album, pretty solid. Yeah, 
uh, like you said, what a good idea. I think he just really reassessed. He's like, I'm a beetle. I'm going to own it. Yeah. And he, uh, they do a great job in the next few albums of let's infuse a little beetle instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Like right there at the beginning of this tune. It's like, it's like, oh, so Beatles sounding. So it's sort of like a Beatles cover band with Ringo deleted. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It did have much better critical reception. Uh, yeah. And, and, but then he took a couple of years off, I think probably because he was playing all the time. In 1998, we come to Vertical Man. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to mention before uh, on ta- Time Takes Time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely back to with a little help from his friends. Yes. In that 28 different non Ringo people are listed on vocals <laughs> on the album. I think they, yeah, 28 people. Yeah. Just either they might be making some of them up, you know, right. but uh, uh, just like a, a, an insane uh, amount of people listed wow. on backup vocals. That's insane. So I the mean... credits, the personnel, and this is from the booklet too. Yeah. It's like not. But uh, a, a, a person uh, is listed on percussion and backing vocals on one of the tracks on that album, Mark Hudson. Yes, which is a good segue into our next group of albums. Yeah. So Mark Hudson, after a few more releases, all-star band releases, three, <laughs> three all-star <laughs> band all-star band volume two, live for Madro, four-star collection, an EP, and the confusing title, his third all-star band, Volume <laughs> One. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is as you as you mentioned, Vertical Man. Yes, 1998. Now, the anthology had come out by this point, so a little more intrigue, uh, interest in Beatles. Paul's release right around that time, Flaming Pie, uh, big success. So hoping to capitalize on that. Uh, once again, lots and lots of guests on <laughs> Vertical Man, including George, Paul, but mainly help from Mark Hudson, Dean Grackle, and Steve Dudas. Uh, had a single la di da. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty catchy. Few, few catchy songs. The trippy Vertical Man, I like. King of Broken Hearts. I'm not as into the covers. No. What do you think of the Ringo version of Love Me Do? Is that better than the Beatles' it's Love Me Do? Terrible. Do you like that That's, any better? No, because it, <laughs> I think Steven Tyler plays an irritating harmonica constantly through it. Uh, <laughs> very annoying. Uh, no, Are that, you also a big fan of Drift Away with Steven Tyler, uh, Tom Petty, and Alanis Morissette, or do you think it's... No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll stick to, uh, to me, the standout was King of Broken Hearts because George's slide is on that one, and it, it yeah. sounds really great. And so this Ringo's back on a, a real label here for this one, Mercury, and it did chart within the top 100. Was, it hit 85 in the U.K. and 61 in the U.S. So uh, kind of like you say, there was more interest in Beatle stuff at that time coming back, so uh, did did fairly well. Well, and I just think that the idea of him with a writing team, yeah, yeah. like is really helpful, really mm-hmm. helpful. A so, consistent uh, writing team, yeah, consistent writing team. So uh, that would continue after, of course, VH1 Storytellers, nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> One of our favorites. I want to be Santa Claus, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, every every Christmas episode or every holiday episode, we we give you a taste of uh, one of those tunes. <laughs> <laughs> The three disc, the anthology so far, which is actually uh, you'd think would be just a Ringo like uh, a hits mm-hmm. thing. No, it's an all star band sort of live anthology and includes a ton of like weird all star band songs. Uh, and then the King Bitstick Flower Hour all star band. <laughs> oh, do. Just too many already of those. Yeah, too many. Uh, uh, but uh, here comes Ringo Rama. We heard the uh, song uh, at the very beginning. Uh, um, Elizabeth Reigns. Or Elizabeth Reigns from Ringo Rama. Once again, Mark Hudson, Dean Grockle, Steve Dudas. They add Gary Burr. Gary Burr kind of joins on at this point. Uh, pretty good. Willie Nelson pops up. <laughs> Is in one of the songs. 
Uh, Dave, is Missouri Loves Company the best <laughs> or worst ever uh, title for a Ringo song? I remember that one because, uh, well, I think I was living in, well, I, am, I, I do live in Missouri, but uh, at the time I was too, because uh, I went, moved away for a while. Uh, and I remember the, uh, it was very punny, that song. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, everybody says that if you live in Missouri, they say, oh, it's misery, uh, which can be. But uh, that yeah, there's a lot of lot of in jokes and Kansas City and St. Louis yeah. and all that. There's another sillily titled "I Think Therefore I Rock and Roll." Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one has the uh, addition of Paul Santo on the writing team. Four guys, to, five guys to write a tune here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a really wild song on Ringo Rama called "Instant Amnesia," mm-hmm. which has all these odd jazz breaks <laughs> and Ringo saying "Stop, you bastard, stop!" at some point. <laughs> uh, but I like. Uh, these more adventurous so this whole this whole mark hudson era is actually i think really good yeah and i think part of it is he gives you sort of some straightforward songs but he also gives you these uh uh, sort of more adventurous kind of Mm. forward thinking uh uh elements a little experimental uh, experimental stuff so I, I I like it. I like it. Um, well, and this this album is yeah, it's kind of a good mix. I think you're right that it's a good mix of having the famous people on here because EC plays on here and David Gilmore and other people, and you've got a song about George, Never Without You, because he had just passed away at that time. Uh, but yeah. then you also have some other yeah, like a little bit more adventurous, experimental things going on. So. That you can do that when you've got the same team, and it looks like Ringo's on every song writing too, so he's there, part of the part of the group. So that uh, helps a lot. There's a career-defining song out here called "Write One for Me." That's what <laughs> Willie Nelson saying. Right? I can't write anything. Do it for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, t- two more, two more uh, <laughs> extended versions. <laughs> Tour 2003, which came out in 2004. Uh, and then choose love. I don't remember anything about this one. So I do <laughs> <laughs> choose love. Oh, five, a little less flashy than the other two. I think the song, there's like, there's not a big hit or it's relatively forgettable actually, mm. but the songs are more even listening to it recently. Solid songs throughout free drinks wrong all the time. Uh, are pretty good a couple of duds like turn around <laughs> chrissy hines on one too yes. which is uh she was like a close uh buddy of linda mccartney i found out in when reading the paul biography mm-hmm. uh but yeah very, the most forgettable of all of these albums ringo star and friends oh sick uh photograph the very best that's the real legit yes. ringo uh uh hit greatest hits thing which we talked about on a different episode, and uh, Ringo Starr live at Soundstage 07. <laughs> if anybody has all of these, I'd we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you've listened to all 12 All-Star Band <laughs> albums, we'll, we'll give you a special gift or something. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, uh, in 2008, we get Liverpool 8. And Ringo's back on Capitol Records, too. Yeah. Let's hear the title track, Liverpool 8, um, which is produced and co-written by uh, Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. It was one of my favorites. And then we'll talk about sort of the sort of things that happened that led to this album coming out the way it did. I was a sailor first. I sailed the sea. Then I got a job in a factory. Played Buckland's camp with my friend Rory It was good for him, it was great for me Liverpool, I left you Said goodbye to Madrid Street I always followed my heart And I never missed a beat Destiny was calling I just couldn't stick around 
Yeah, so Ringo doing the very autobiographical uh, stuff in that kind of a tune that we're hearing a lot of. But but again, like you said, most interesting part about this album is, well, there's some odd production credits. I'm just going to read you the... the <laughs> I'm going to read you what, what the, the line is, and then I'll let you elaborate here. But it says, produced by Ringo Starr and Mark Hudson, reproduced by Ringo Starr and David Stewart. Yeah. So apparently, Ringo and Mark Hudson had a big falling out. Yeah, after most of the songs had been written and he, he recorded a lot of it with Mark Hudson. It, it, Dave, what do you think it was about? Do you think it was over the uh, split? They just couldn't agree on whether or not to have color in one scraggly beard. <laughs> so you know, Ringo, you know, adamant about just having a regular scraggly beard. Mark likes that multicolor. Yeah, beard, does, yeah. sort of his signature, with, <laughs> along with a doozy hat. <laughs> um, Wikipedia actually says that uh, concerning the parting of ways with Hudson, Star comments: the separation between Mark Hudson and myself was a question of trust and friendship. That's harsh. That is harsh because I'd I'd heard different stories. One was the, also that. Mark Hudson decided to go on tour with somebody else and didn't tell Ringo and kind of left him hanging. And so he was kind of angry about that. And then there's also another thing that says that maybe uh, Ringo wanted to use synthesizers and Mark Hudson said no. Yes. I I think Ringo refutes that. Yeah. It's more about, oh, it's a personal issue. Yeah. Yeah. The album's all right. Not too bad. Mm -hmm. I think I, I like it least of the ones that we just talked about, probably. Dave Stewart is also cre- credited as on uh, playing, quote, backwards fabulousness. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is That's weird. a weird credit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, but after Liverpool, eight, a, a couple peppy numbers, and then the rest of it's sort of forgettable. And So Ringo Starr is all about All-Star Band 06, yet another one. Um, But uh, in 2010, a not-that-great-overall album comes out, Why Not? And uh, And it's the letter Y. Yes, Why Not? And uh, we got his band helping him out with a piece, Joe Walsh, Gary Wright, Dave Stewart, Richard Marks, Glenn Ballard, Gary Burr. All of them have co-writing credits with Ringo. Uh, Ringo produced it himself, uh, but it se- it sounds all over the place, this album. Uh, and there's this very unfortunate tune <laughs> that ends the album. Uh, uh, I'm, and I was going to play it, but I think I'll just read a little something about it from uh, The Village Voice. Calls it uh, one of the 20 worst songs of 2010. <laughs> uh, Ringo Starr featuring Joss Stone with Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> And uh, it says, for the most part, the song is your average dull Joss Stone number full of the grating, overcompensating melisma that kept her from being our Amy Winehouse. But this time it's complete with guitars and saxophones, (laughs) awesomely set to Bob Seger karaoke band. (laughs) Everything seems pretty normal until Ringo shows up and starts being too huggy at the Sweet Sixteen party. (laughs) Belching out "Who's Your Daddy" through a mouthful of warm ale and starchy British food. I just thought that was a great. Oh, that's a great description. <laughs> description by Christopher Weingarten from yeah. uh, the Village Voice. So, uh, uh, yeah, really unfortunate song there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your daddy? It's like, oh no, thank you. Not good. Not good. And then no. live at the Greek Theater, two thousand eight is the last Yay. live to date. Album. To date. To date. To date. <laughs> Uh, Ringo 2012, uh, it really, I call it a little graham cracker of an album. <laughs> Nine songs. 28 minutes. 
28 minutes, and two of them are repeat songs. Mm-hmm. Why not just, if you're going to do that, why not just record a couple more repeat songs? <laughs> Since- and, and then there's covers. There's Think It Over, Buddy Holly tune, Rock Island Lines, a cover. Yeah. With the great with the great lyrics in that A B C D E F G. <laughs> you were a big fan of you were a big fan of the This is an anthem. Oh uh, yeah, that song's not good. But there there are a couple good tunes on it. In Liverpool's not bad and Wonderful's pretty good, but a real mixed effort. I give demerits for any album that's that short and yeah. just nine song. One more compilation album icon and then postcard from paradise. Episode 60, we talked about that. A few good songs on that one, sort of a so-so overall. And then Give More Love, recently, uh, uh, much better, uh, much better album. Real, real uh, boost from the last uh, previous three albums. Uh, Liked it a lot. Uh, Episode 106, if you want to dig into that. So, uh, of course, Ringo, lots of... of, uh, other great things in his career, uh, you know, acted in a lot of movies. We we mentioned Caveman, but yeah. he's been in, in some other films and had a sort of a, a little bit of an acting career. Two, one of the one of the only two time Hall of Famers in 2015 elected to the Hall of Fame for his uh, solo career. What would you say? You want to sum up overall? Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think uh, I it's somewhat surprising actually that Ringo is well that he's done as well as he has uh for so long not being a primarily a songwriter but I think he hit on a formula that I mentioned earlier about uh, with a little help from your friends and and getting people who he thought were good and are good uh to help him out with songs and performing and, and now being on the road all the time but I think it's given him longevity and uh yeah and it's it's interesting to be looking back at his career. I, I don't think he probably would have expected to still be around this long, still be playing the drums, and still be making albums, and even really good ones like uh, Give More Love, which we thought was a, a pretty good album. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a mixed bag like anybody, but for somebody who didn't have a lot of expectations coming out of the Beatles... I'd say he's done pretty well, even with some big peaks and valleys. Uh, I think he he can be pretty proud of a lot of what he's done. Yeah, I I, I was really kind of impressed with some of those Mark Hudson albums, and mm-hmm. and and I, I maybe I'd missed all all of that uh, previously, and and uh, uh, I think I think it's just like a guy who keeps going, keeps trying. Yeah. You know, the, we said a lot of his songs are are have this sort of like keep on going, keep on driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go, go bridges, go over the bridge. You know, yeah. <laughs> kind of build bridges, and and uh, you know he he keeps going, and he he's he's been all of these guys in the all star band are, are probably owe a huge debt of gratitude to him for. Mm-hmm helping their careers, Todd Rundgren and, you know, yeah. guys like that who get to go play their songs in a, in a, in a great setting with, with other musicians and, and create a nice big band. And yeah. I think Ringo just wants to be part of a band, be a drummer in a band and occasionally pop up and sing a Beatles song. Cause it's like, Oh, that's the draw. We're going to get to the three or four Beatles songs that he sang. Yeah. And, uh, but his early solo stuff, pretty good. Then yeah. some terrible albums, then some good <laughs> albums. He deserves the knighthood, of course. Yes, so and, he, and he definitely deserved the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, 2015. We're going to play uh, him and Paul McCartney and others jamming uh, to go out here on I Want to Be Your Man. So thanks. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed the uh, career retrospective of Sir Richard Starkey and... We will uh, be back with more episodes soon. Thanks for listening. I want to be your lover, baby. I want to be your man. I want to be your lover, baby. I want to be your man. Love you like no other, baby. Like no other can. Love you like no other, baby. Like no other can. 
be your man. I wanna be your man. I wanna be your man. I wanna be your man. Tell me that you love me, baby, that you understand. Tell me that you love me, baby. I wanna be your man. I wanna be your lover, baby. I wanna be your man. That's the end of it. Good night. Thank you.